AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thanks again for joining us. Always enjoy our get-togethers each day, and we appreciate you letting us be part of your day. We hope it's a good day for you. Busy harvest season. Be safe out there. We're going to get a harvest update today from the state of Nebraska. We continue to check in with farmers around the Midwest. Also today, Arlen Suderman with StoneX will join us. We look ahead to tomorrow's USDA report and just look at the markets overall here in this harvest season. Paul Winters with the National Biodiesel Board will join us to talk about the RVO issue. And last time we talked with Paul, the National Biodiesel Board was still trying to get a sit down with the EPA administrator. We'll find out if they ever got that or, or not and what they're expecting in the RVO announcement. So all that coming up on today's program. But we're going to start it off with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, how are you? Good. How are you, Mike? Very good. Interesting. Wow, there's so much going on in Washington right now. It looks like there may be a vote tomorrow just on the infrastructure bill, finally separating it away from that human infrastructure bill that Democrats are pushing. But within the Democratic Party, there's now a pushback that uh, they they don't want that separated. They want it still connected. They're going all or nothing. So uh, it, it's just kind of a fluid situation to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, it really is, Mike. You know, And one of the interesting things that's come out of this whole back and forth uh, there's apparently a draft amendment um, to the bill, the, the budget reconciliation bill, uh, that would basically add tens of billions of more uh, dollars to conservation funding, um, which I think it's something that, you know, if we're talking about climate and, and all those issues, I think uh, agriculture in general would, would support that um, for a number of reasons, not just for the climate issue, but uh, because it's good for the farm, you know, getting more conservation uh, going. Uh, and so I think, you know, if that happens to come about, I think that would be a, a, a hugely big deal for ag. And uh, hopefully we can get through this on the other side and still look back and say that um, that perhaps infrastructure was dealt with properly and that everybody comes away with it with something that, that they really need. And so we'll, we'll kind of wait and see, but uh, maybe we'll know something this week. Maybe. And I don't politicians say some outlandish things when they're pushing for some of these things. Uh, but I mean, when the president came out and said, yeah, we're, we could pass this four trillion dollars and it wouldn't cost anything. Uh, that one's hard to accept. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you're definitely right, Mike. I know that, uh, you know, every time these these large dollar amounts are thrown around, you know, they're not really put into perspective necessarily but when you when you start talking trillions of dollars uh it's safe to say that there's going to be a lot more money spent um, that's right but yeah I, I, yeah it's it's definitely i think it's you know there's a lot of good that can come from this we just hope that uh you know ag has that seat at the table that, that it always talks about needing so we'll see what happens there and of course i've got to get something done to fund the government moving forward that's kind of i keep saying I'd worry about that the most, you know, <laughs> how are you going to do the other things if you're shut down? So we'll see what happens. Okay, some other things going on. Uh, National Pork Producers and American Farm Bureau are still trying to get Prop 12 in California stopped. They're going to take it to the Supreme Court. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, uh, the one thing about Prop 12, I, I don't know you've been following as close as anyone, that uh, – what we're looking at now is there's such there's been such a delay in the state in, in getting the rules set out for this for this proposition, which basically uh, requires hog producers to follow a certain uh, certain regulations when it comes to housing their animals. Uh, and so, you know, there really was no lead time on this. And so, I think that's the thing that that really a lot of the ag groups have been concerned about from day one is that uh, this would require a lot of remaking of of farms across the country to import pork into, into California. Um, and I think this probably, you know, going to the Supreme court may be the last thing on the list that the ag groups can really do. You know, they've tried uh, district courts, they've tried appeals courts, they've tried, you know, commenting to the state on the rules and, 
there's just been a, so much that's been done to try to push back against this. And this is really, I think, the last swing for the fences. You know, if the Supreme Court doesn't take this, um, I think you're just going to see um, hog producers across the country just having to adapt. And whether they're going to get the time to adapt is a whole other issue. Yeah, this, as you said, this is kind of their last chance. We will have the National Pork Producers Council legal counsel on with us uh, on Friday to talk more about this. Meanwhile, as we continue to see what this administration is going to do with WOTUS, we did have some action recently on uh, a, a groundwater guidance. Uh, kind of tell us what, what this case was and how this could impact things moving forward. Yeah, you know, Mike, uh, there was a Supreme Court case that was decided um I believe it was last year, earlier this year. Uh, it was Maui versus the Hawaii Wildlife, Wild, uh, Wildlife Fund. And what it dealt with was, uh, was whether conveyances of uh, the you know, waters going through groundwater um, and coming out on the other side of navigable water, whether the groundwater in that situation could be considered uh, jurisdictional under the Clean Water Act. And so uh, the Supreme Court basically uh, you know, handed handed down a ruling and it's led to, it led to the EPA uh, offering some guidance on it. And so we're at, we're at a point now where uh, EPA rescinded that guidance that was put out by the Trump administration. And I think there's some, you know, there's some level of concern there as to where the EPA might be going on groundwater. Um, you know, just to, just to back up a little bit, you know, that the uh, Obama EPA itself uh, decided at one point that it, it couldn't go that far when it comes to regulating groundwater under the Clean Water Act. And so the chances of this EPA trying to do the same are, I guess it's still kind of an open question, but uh, it does raise the possibility that EPA may take a broader look at groundwater. Meanwhile, EPA is saying, the administrator is saying, don't worry, agriculture, you're going to be protected in the new WOTUS rule. Every time somebody in the government tells us not to worry, I immediately start to worry. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, I think you're right. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of times where, uh, you know, agriculture thought it had, um, had things figured out when it came to WOTUS. Uh, you know, the last WOTUS, 2015, did kind of uh, breach a lot of those subjects as to whether certain ag practices were actually jurisdictional or not. Um, and so I think that, too, is one of those things we're going to have to wait and see what the actual proposed rule says, because in 2015, we came to realize that there were a lot of things in that particular rule uh, that didn't necessarily play well uh, to agriculture. And so uh, it seems like the ag exemptions have, have kind of stuck around, you know, through, through rule changes and so on. But um, we're just going to have to wait and see what this, uh, this next rule uh, has to say. Indeed. All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Well, we're still waiting for those RVO announcements uh, on uh, from EPA on the required blending levels under the renewable fuel standard. The concern is by the biofuels industry that these rumored reports will be true, that the levels will be significantly lower. But we haven't heard anything, so maybe no news is good news. We'll talk with Paul Winters with the National Biodiesel Board about that next here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios, to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform. Everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The 
Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So we're doing a lot of waiting right now, waiting to see if there will be an infrastructure vote tomorrow, waiting to see what they do with the debt limit, waiting to see what happens with the uh, $3.5 trillion human infrastructure package, waiting to see what might uh, be in all this as far as tax changes, waiting to see what's going to happen with waters of the U.S., and oh yeah, waiting to see uh, what's going to happen with the RBO levels, uh, the required blending uh, levels for biofuels under the renewable fuel standard. The reports, the media reports are out there that the levels are going to be significantly lower, not only for this year, next year, but for last year. Let's talk about it with Paul Winters with the National Biodiesel Board. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, this waiting is hard, isn't it? Uh, it's very hard. It, it just adds to the uncertainty for uh, all renewable fuel producers, especially biodiesel producers uh, and renewable diesel producers, because they they do rely on the signals that EPA sets uh, every single year for you know plans and, and investments. Well, speaking of waiting, the last time we talked with you, you were waiting to hear back from EPA about your request to to talk with the EPA administrator about biofuels, about biodiesel, and uh, the role you see it playing in uh, dealing with the climate and carbon and things like that. Did you ever hear back from EPA? Uh, no, we still have not heard back from that, and uh, we, we would still very much like the opportunity to talk to uh, not just the EPA administrator, Regan, but other um, senior members of the Biden administration about the the benefits that uh, go along with uh, increased biodiesel and renewable diesel volumes, and uh, not just the reductions in carbon emissions, but reductions in other uh, emissions that impact people's health. Uh, so you we know, are we're still very much like that meeting. Yeah, I, w- I was just thinking that in the last few years. As, as we wait for these levels to be announced, you, the biodiesel industry, you've been pushing and making a case for years now that your levels should be set even higher than they have been. And now here we are dealing or looking at the possibility of them being lowered. 
It makes no sense. Um, and yes, that has been an annual fight. EPA uh, understands that that the biodiesel and renewable diesel industry can produce more volumes, higher volumes than uh, than the actual requirements that they set. Uh, but they want to create competition between uh, the biodiesel and renewable diesel industry and other advanced biofuels. Uh, that hasn't really worked out. Essentially, the other advanced biofuels that are out there in the marketplace are co-products of, of uh, primarily the renewable diesel production. And, uh, yeah, the, the stories that leaked out uh, last week seem to indicate that, that that's what their plan for the future is, is to um, set up competition between uh, the advanced biofuels and, and the ethanol industry. Hmm. Does the fact that we've not yet heard the official announcement, does that give you some uh, some optimism that maybe they're rethinking this because they are getting some pushback from the biofuels industry, from members of Congress, even members of the Democratic Party pushing back in some cases on this. And so do you think maybe they're rethinking this? Well, I hope they, they would rethink it and I hope they would listen to um, Midwest uh, members of Congress from both parties who are uh, expressing very serious concerns about the economic impacts for their states if uh, EPA undercuts biofuel production. Um, you know, the, there are uh, investments going in across the country to, to expand uh, biodiesel and renewable diesel production, and those investments would just uh, uh, be undercut if EPA doesn't increase market space for, for our fuel for our fuels. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, uh, outreach from Midwest Democrats and Republicans to the administration. Um, I think there are many other states that would be impacted that should also be expressing their concern. And uh, we hope the uh, Biden administration is listening. Um, there are certainly a lot of votes this week on, on infrastructure and, and uh, budget reconciliation. Uh, that they are primarily concerned about. They, they really shouldn't uh, be looking to to um, harm the, uh, the states of legislators that uh, they need to vote for those programs. Yeah, there is, there's a political component to this, certainly, as well. You know, when you think about it, it was just not that long ago, Paul, we were talking about this being a boom time for for biodiesel, renewable diesel, that all the signals seemed like they were pointing up and just the floodgates were going to open and, and everything. And there was, you know, we were seeing the market impact of it and everything else. And then everything just all of a sudden kind of slowed down and cooled off. Uh, it, that's certainly true. And it's, uh, it certainly impacts farmers. Right? You know, when you see stories leaked to the press, uh, like we saw last week, it has a an immediate impact on the price of rent that carries through to the price of, of crops. Um, farmers are out there harvesting corn and soybeans right now. It, it looks like a, it's going to be a good year, even after all the uh, concerns over weather. So uh, mark, uh, farmers want to know what uh, what the market for their crops is going to be. Um, and it, if uh, EPA makes changes and makes changes that impact past years, uh, it uh, creates a lot of uncertainty for everyone. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we're still trying to get the numbers for this year, and here we are at the end of September looking at getting numbers for next year, but they're also wanting, supposedly going to go back and change and lower numbers from last year. That's that's the rumor, certainly, and, um, you know, what we saw in the press uh, last week uh, going back and reopening the 2020 rule is unnecessary. It, it simply wouldn't change uh, the number of gallons that were produced and the number of uh, renewable identification numbers that are available in the RFS program. Um, you know, biodiesel and renewable diesel production was up slightly in 2020. So there are more than enough RINs out there in the system for refiners to meet 
the 2020 rule as it was set and you know reopening that rule uh, would simply undercut everyone's confidence in this program you know i'm i'm not big on having uh big meetings just for show but at some point i thought this in the last administration i certainly think it in this administration it just seems it would have made a lot of sense to have some kind of a a meeting somewhere with the administration officials and energy officials you know including the biofuels industry let's get down sit in a room and talk about all this and try to work something out instead you the ethanol industry and others you're waiting you're getting your information from press reports like everybody else that just does not seem to be a serious and well thought out way of handling this well i'll agree with you on that mike and um you know, I, I I think essentially EPA should be standing behind the rule it set in 2020 because uh, that rule is achievable. Yeah, that's a good point. And the frustrating thing with the RFS, it's, and I've always said this, that I think what confounds people in Washington is it's one of the few pieces of legislation that actually works. It works the way it was intended, but they keep going in and messing with it and trying to change it. They just can't leave it alone instead of just following it. Uh, part of it is Congress. They left a lot of gray area and left these opportunities, doors uh, ajar so people can do these things. But still, it's been, one of the, to me, one of the most uh, abused and misused pieces of legislation we've, we have, and these things just continue to happen. That's true, and the... the overall purpose of the RFS program was to ensure annual growth in uh, biofuel production and use. And uh, that should definitely be the cornerstone of, of the rules that EPA puts out each year. Uh, that certainly wasn't reflected in what was reported by the press last week. That's right. The RFS was to support and promote our domestic biofuels industry and i think we've lost so many people in washington seem to have lost lost track of that all right paul we'll, we'll wait to see for the announcement see what they have to say thanks a lot for being with us thank you mike paul winters with the national biodiesel board this uh, whole rfs rvo situation continues to be very very frustrating up next, we talk markets with Arlen Suderman. We have a crop report out tomorrow. We'll get his thoughts on that, on harvest, and how the markets are reacting right now. Outside pressures on the markets, certainly something we're watching very closely as well. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Tomorrow, the USDA will release their quarterly grain stocks and annual small grain summary reports. Trade estimates for quarterly stocks are significantly smaller than last year, which are the tight supplies we've been seeing and hearing about. Rain is forecast today across the central U.S., stretching from the Canadian border to the Gulf Coast. The largest rain amounts across the Corn Belt are expected in the eastern half of Nebraska today. Rains are expected to spread into the southern plains tomorrow. On the Board of Trade this morning, 
morning, December corn trading four cents higher at 5.36 and a half cent. The March contract trading four cents higher as well at 5.44 and a half cent. For soybeans, the November contract up three cents at 12.80 and a fraction. The January contract trading two and three quarters higher at 12.89 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up nine at 7.15 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December up eight and a fraction at 7.13. Minneapolis spring wheat December up five and a fraction at 9.12 and a half cent. In cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning, but Packer Inquiry should start to improve as the day progresses. Asking prices are around $125 in the south, but still not fully established in the north. It is likely that we will see some trade develop today. Packers continue to watch the weakness of box beef and the inability of futures to rebound after large recent declines. Box beef was lower with choice cuts down $1.14 and select cuts down $0.03. Cents. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the October contract trading 35 cents lower at 121.65, December down 72 at 126.77, feeder cattle October down a dollar 22 at 154.90, November down a dollar 30 at 155.75. In lean hogs, the October contract down 62 at 91 even, the December contract trading 17 cents higher at 83.73. In the outside markets, the Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P are all trading higher. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility. Independence changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. <laughs> Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined by Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Arlen, good to talk with you again. We have another USDA report out tomorrow. What are you most focused on in this report? Well, typically, I'd be most focused on uh, the corn stocks number. That's where you have the easiest uh, place to have a surprise in either direction from USDA. And as I've said before, I can generally kind of predict if there's going to be surprise which way it would be in the WASDE reports, but these quarterly stocks reports, the, the direction of the surprises oftentimes lack rhyme or reason. Um, but that's what we'd look at first. Surprisingly, though, soybeans have had, even though we should know all the demand factors at play um, for soybeans, it, it, that we get some surprises there as well in stocks. And, of course, both of these have re relatively little margin for error. So if it's smaller stocks than expected, you expect a much bigger price response than if it's bigger than expected, although getting a response either way. The other thing, of course, is going to be the size of the spring wheat crop. USDA has been reporting yields to this point and assuming normal abandonment of roughly 45 to 5%. We think it's going to be closer to 17 to maybe 20% abandonment this year. So that should shrink the size of the crop unless the state surveyors have been accounting artificially for that by lowering their yields, and then they raise the yields when they lower the acres. That we don't know is how they're handling that, but overall we anticipate a small crop getting smaller in that, and that should be supportive to the wheat fundamental. So it, it could be a very active day fundamentally for the grain and oil seeds tomorrow. All right, we shall see. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, we talk a lot about the battle for acres next year and how it's going to be a tough battle because uh, strong prices across the board. But now we have the factor of these higher input costs and maybe tight uh, supplies when it comes to some of the inputs. Do you think that could 
lend to more soybean acres uh, and fewer corn acres? Yeah, I do. Uh, the question is how much of a shift. And, of course, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and spring planting. But some of those decisions are being made now. Fertilizer prices are red, very high. And, and if you look at what natural gas prices did yesterday, uh, poking up to multi-year highs, not, you know, and uh, uh, what was it, above $6. And then you look at what's happening in Europe, uh, parts of Europe where prices are four times that level. And natural gas is one of the critical components to nitrogen fertilizer. Then you look at phosphate fertilizer. China produces 40%, roughly 39% of the world's phosphate fertilizer, and accounts for 32% of the world's exports. And right now the reports we're getting is that China has a moratorium on exporting phosphate fertilizer until at least June of next year. So the, you set it right there. The prices and, and maybe even availability of fertilizer is a critical factor right now that doesn't play well for corn so I was on a call last night with US Grains Council in a meeting they did for their customers in in South Korea Taiwan and Japan and this was a, definitely a topic of conversation and a concern it's a global concern overall uh, what's going to happen with corn acres in in the year ahead big story to watch I think and see how this develops all right let's talk about uh the outside uh, markets and the pressures uh, that we're seeing here. I mean, we've seen some big hits to the stock market in the last week or so. Well, what are your thoughts on the gen the overall economy and then the impact on commodities? Well, we could spend all day talking about this, and I think the connections are pretty significant. It played out yesterday more than what it is thus far today. But we really saw it being a factor. There's a lot of things facing the stock market. And, of course, as we turn the month of the calendar to October, Wall Street gets nervous anyway. October hasn't always been a good mm -hmm. month for Wall Street. So there's a little bit of nervousness there. And you have the funding of the government that has to occur by midnight tomorrow night. Now, frankly, that's not as big a concern to the Wall Street because funding, the let's put it this way, the S&P 500 generally trades higher when the government is shut down. But the bigger thing is the debt ceiling and avoiding default. Now, Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, said yesterday, October 18th is the deadline day to avoid default. If Congress and the President, all held by the same party, cannot reach a level of agreement to fund the government, can they handle the debt ceiling question? That's what has Wall Street nervous right now. And I know there's a lot of interplay politics in there and what can be accomplished and what can be accomplished. But generally, Congress, both parties, whoever's in charge, generally find a way in the 11th hour to deal with the debt ceiling by kicking the can down the road again. And so the general expectation is that that's going to happen. But there's going to be a lot of what-if nervousness between now and October 18th. You put on top of that, we've already talked about some of these inflation factors that are at play. Energy is a key component of that. Natural, high natural gas prices are oftentimes a precursor of what's going to happen in the crude oil market. Uh, we talked about fertilizer. We talked about a, a lot of uh, China right now is saying buy coal on the world market at any price. Uh, tightening up the coal price. A lot of different factors now inflating values of commodities. Inflation is back on the table. Congress looking at a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, a $3.5 trillion social spending program that actually uh, taking away the gimmicks that both parties use is probably closer to $5.5 trillion or a little bit more. That type of spending can increase those inflationary pressures. Fed Chair Jerome Powell yesterday acknowledging finally that we may be looking at something more than transitory inflation and then you're going to add all this in. So there's a lot of policy factors at play here. And remember, in two weeks, we'll get the minutes of the Fed meeting as well. And I think it's going to show a lot of growing dissension within the Fed with the hold the line easy money policy. So these next few weeks could be very volatile in the outside markets affecting the grain and oil seeds. Yesterday was a good example of that where we saw money sucked out of the commodities and the equities. It's coming back today. 
um, but that's a good example when fear rises, money goes to the sideline and can, in the short term anyway, give you weakness. But in the longer term, if inflation is a worry, then you start to see money flowing into the commodities. And then you watch the strength and or weakness of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, and, and yesterday we saw both at play. Early in the day, inflation was a concern, and so commodities rose. And then as the yields on 10-year treasuries pulled back a little bit, the strong dollar became a factor in creating headwinds for the commodities, and we saw it pull back. Now, the dollar is surging to new highs again today as a safe haven trade and uh, concerns over inflation. Ultimately, longer term, inflation wins. But in the near term, as yields on these bonds and treasuries go up, you pull in foreign investors who need greenbacks in order to participate in our markets. So that creates headwinds from the dollar. Near term, longer term, it's supportive for higher commodity prices. All right, so we'll learn a lot more uh, about where we're going with grain markets probably tomorrow. What about your outlook for the livestock markets? Well, obviously, grain prices are a big factor there. Now, so we really start, to, we're in two different places. With the lean hog futures, we got a very bullish quarterly hogs and pigs report, uh, showing about 3% fewer hogs in the summer farrowings than what was anticipated. Now, we're finally getting litter sizes back up to where they need to be. That's good, but that wasn't enough to offset the smaller numbers overall. And so, really, from December on, it looks like we're going to have smaller numbers hitting the uh, processors. Um, so that's why we saw so much strength the last couple of days. Now we're seeing a little bit of profit taking in there. But generally, that's supportive longer term. Even as we're pulling back exports of China, we're still seeing good exports elsewhere. On the beef side, we're, we have strong demand for the beef product. Um, overall, we're seeing a, a contraction of the herd but not quite fast enough. And so we're still seeing what's being paid to the feeder is an artificial price. Whatever the packer decides in their mind is right to pay, that's what's being paid. And that's what the futures market is tied to. What is the cash market? So we're still longing for that day when we have more balance in the number of cattle versus packer capacity so that the feeder has more leverage. The market is building in some optimism as it has been for months now that that day is eventually going to come. So far it hasn't. We're relatively optimistic that it will be coming down the road. Okay, real quick, wrap it up. What are you, what are you seeing and hearing with the uh, har early harvest results? Uh, anything stand out to you? A couple of things. First of all, the big debate all summer was can the good out, uh, balance the bad? And so far it looks like the bad is yielding better than expected. The good is yielding a little worse than expected, but still I think we're relatively close. On the, on, that's on the corn. On the soybeans, <clears throat> I'm impressed with the yields I'm seeing generally everywhere. So we may be looking at a higher soybean yield than what we previously thought. So we'll be getting our survey results, our updated survey results from our customers on Monday. All right. Look forward to that. And uh, that'll be a big topic of conversation moving forward as more of these harvest results come in, especially on these beans. Arlen, good to talk with you. Good information. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Yeah, a lot happening on the outside markets, putting pressure and affecting, impacting, influencing the commodity markets. A lot to watch there. Well, talking about those harvest results, we've been checking with farmers in various states. We'll go to the state of Nebraska next. Greg Anderson is a soybean farmer in Nebraska, eastern part of Nebraska. We'll find out how his harvest is going and how things are going in that part of his state. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform. Everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today.
AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, when last we talked with Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson back during Husker Harvest Days, he was getting ready for harvest. Well, now, Greg, that you're into it, how's it going? It's going very well, Mike. We've had a good week here of very nice weather that has really accelerated the soybean harvest here in the eastern third of the state and uh, we're finding yields uh, very good a little bit better than uh, we even thought so thankful for that and it looks like could be a rain event coming in later today that uh, might park those combines and grain carts for several days as the weather service is calling for two to three inches pretty general coverage Uh, those types of rains we haven't seen in quite some time but but, you know, that'd be okay, too. It'd give everybody a little bit of a break, and uh, we're nearing about 40% uh, done, completed here uh, on my farm. And uh, I'd take a, a couple of days off, kind of catch up on some paperwork and, and rest. Well, we're hearing that from several farmers, that soybean yields, and you, with soybeans, it's always kind of, you're not for sure till you really get out there. Um, but we're hearing from several farmers that the yields are better than expected. Indeed, and that's the case around here. I think most everyone is really pleased uh, with with yields here this year. Um, as you say, it's it's really tough to uh, guess those yields until you get into the, the fields with the combine and, and run for two or three days, and you kind of can get a picture of what you're going to have for the year. But uh, we, we did have uh, some ample rains there, caught them towards the end of August. I think that really uh, boosted those beans. They, they held on really nicely through the month of August, waiting for that uh, good drink of water. And, uh, and those rains, uh, which uh, seem like a long time ago now, but were about a month ago, uh, really did uh, put the finishing touches on developing those uh, seed seeds in those pods. Uh, the seed size uh, really is pretty good uh, compared to what we've uh, looked at for other years, and that makes a difference. Uh, probably the thing that I'm finding here, Mike, is with the warmer temperatures we've been in the 90s the last three days uh, the beans are pretty dry and uh, they're around 10 percent so uh, maybe with some rain we might put a a point or two back in those beans so when we uh, get back to harvesting after this rain event yeah it's something else we've heard in a lot of places how much things how quickly things have dried down we're talking with greg anderson soybean farmer in northeastern nebraska now you're all soybeans greg but what are you hearing in your area from other farmers about how their corn harvest is going well, there was some corn that taken out early. Uh, some ethanol plants were needing corn, and uh, they were offering a, a premium as well as uh, no drying charges for 30% and under moisture corn. And so about the time I, I drove back from Husker Harvest Days two weeks ago, I saw big lineups, and I thought, well, that can't be all soybeans, and found out that indeed it was uh, corn uh, bringing in to, for the ethanol plant. Uh, not much corn has been taken out since then. I think people are, are waiting for it to dry, and certainly uh, they're concentrating on soybeans right now. So when you say you're, what, 40% done right now, did you say? So with your harvest? Yeah, yeah about 40 How does that compare with a normal year? Well, I was just looking back on that last year at this time, and actually I was uh, farther ahead last year at this time than I am Hmm. this year. Uh, Didn't have quite as good as year last year. Those uh, August rains didn't come, and and so the the beans developed a little bit quicker, and there weren't as many bushels out there in the fields last year as compared to this year. So, uh, but by and large, I think uh, this part of the state, we're, we're, you know, far above normal uh, as far as harvest progress. Uh, Lots of years, I can remember, we don't really get started until about right now. So, uh, it's been good to uh, get them out while the weather's been decent, and uh, it's working really well. Have you seen many signs of SCN or or sudden death or anything like that? You know, I really haven't, uh, which uh, I'm grateful for. Uh, I have heard a couple of reports of some white mold in the immediate area. Uh, nothing drastic, but uh, this year has been remarkably uh, stress-free as far as uh, both pests and insects. 
Uh, we're seeing some late flushes of grasshoppers now, but they're not really going to be doing any damage uh, at this point. But, you know, we, we really came through the year really nice with with uh, minimal disease pressure, um, none of that uh, things that have been bothering. And I think that's really definitely been contributing to the, the higher yields that we're seeing. You know, a big story right now and a big decision for a lot of corn farmers will be about these input costs. And there's some thought about could some acres be switched to soybeans because not only the cost of inputs, but even availability. Uh, now, you're all soybeans, uh, so... <laughs> That that may look even better right now for you, but uh, do you have extra input costs when you're continuous soybeans? It, it kind of depends on the price of fertilizer, Mike, and of course price of seed as well. It looks like seed is going to go up just a, a little bit for the 2022 crop year. However, uh, you know the fertilizer prices are a concern, and and they're a concern for both soybean farmers and corn farmers, but. Uh, corn farmers, especially with the nitrogen needs, it looks like uh, those prices are are inching up uh, ever so much, and and uh, those decisions are even you know being thought about right now. As you said, uh, what do we do for next year? And I, I we see the the price now of, of soybeans uh, here locally about 12.40 off the combine with these good yields. I mean, it makes some farmers think: uh, Do I want to go back uh, to corn with a higher uh, fertilizer prices and higher input costs for, for next year, and, uh, and, and do, I, do I take another year like this with soybeans that are very profitable? So uh, that'll be a decision I'm sure that's mulled over in the next weeks and months, and uh, I'm sure the market will be uh, asking for both corn and, and bean acres, and it'll be interesting to see how those dynamics uh, turn out. It really will. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, um, enjoy your uh, rainy days coming up to get caught up and have a safe rest of your harvest, Greg. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, great to talk with you. All right, take care. Greg Anderson, soybean farmer in northeast Nebraska. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Mike Pearson will be sitting in for me tomorrow, and he'll keep you up to date on what's going on with uh, these uh, these bills in Washington, D.C., with infrastructure and the debt limit and and all that and also he'll have more harvest reports for you as well i'll be back on friday hope you'll join me then hope you'll join mike tomorrow right here on aoa aoa is brought to you by Cenex matron synthetic diesel engine oils oils that run smart Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com.